Well, good morning, everyone. It is uh, 9.03 a.m. on a beautiful Thursday morning. Sunrise looks like it's going to be awesome here in just a few minutes. I'm Jay Barrett, and uh, this is the COVID brief, the regular Thursday COVID brief. We've, uh, g- we are either have or are going to have a full house here this morning. So, uh, I'd like to, uh, welcome, uh, uh DeRotha Ferraro from South Peninsula Hospital, Lauren Carroll from, uh, the, uh, Alaska Department of, uh, uh, Division of Public Health Nursing. And, uh, I don't know if Peggy signed in yet, but, uh, Peggy Urkineff from the, uh, Kenai Peninsula Borough School District. How are you all today? We're great. Good morning. And it's I did Rosa doing great. Peggy. Excellent. Well, uh, you know, uh, we have uh, haven't met in two weeks. Uh, holiday last week. So, uh, and a holiday next week, by the way. So there will be no COVID brief next week. Uh, so we have plenty to talk about, but no questions in the queue this week. So, um, uh, Peggy, maybe you could tell us how things are going in the schools now that kids can get uh, vaccinations. Absolutely. So I want to thank all the community um, partnerships and, and businesses and organizations that are offering vaccines and boosters as well. So we have heard that many of our students have been getting vaccinated, and that's great news, as well as a lot of people are getting that booster um, as well. So I'm reading and hearing that the boosters or the initial vaccines that we had, you know, we've had several months for many of us since we've had those. So there is the booster shot for people that are wanting that as well. So that's great news for schools. Um, Our cases are going down in schools, which is also good news. And uh, it's cold outside now. So I wanna remind everybody that um, in Soldotna right now, it's like minus nine. And so I know it's maybe a few degrees warmer in Homer, but we do still go outside for activities and recess in Alaska in our school district until it's minus 10 with a wind chill factor. And so to keep everybody healthy, make sure you've got coats and gloves and hats and scarves for kids. And if anybody is in need of any of that, please check with your school office um, and we'll see what we can do to help kids out that might be in need of some warmer clothing or jackets or uh, caps or or gloves. Lots of our schools are Mm -hmm. doing um, for Thanksgiving for families um, that are on the edge a little bit. Um, We're doing a lot of outreach to be able to help make sure everybody's fed. And then during the winter season before break, we also do that as well as for any gift giving um, from schools. There's a lot of schools that organize different things. Wow, excellent, excellent. You know, I was wondering, uh, uh, you know, there have been people since uh, the beginning of school this year who uh, families are just uncomfortable with their kids going going into uh, classes. How how uh, populated or popular was uh uh, you know, connections and then also the uh, uh, centralized online learning. How many people, kids are taking advantage of those those things? Great question. So we're down by, in Connections Homeschool, in contrast to last year, by several hundred students. So all those kids have come back to their neighborhood schools. Our district-wide 100% remote learning program does have um, I, I don't haven't seen the la- latest count, but it's it's not a huge number of students. But for the students that are there, they're really happy to have that option. And when I say not a huge number, I know that's subjective. 
I am thinking um, the last time I looked, and I'll get back and get that information for you for our next show, but it was less than 100 students district-wide that were enrolled full-time in the 100% remote learning, but I'm not positive on that, and I'll get that information oh. for everybody. Oh, wow. So um, sure, people sure. are choosing the options that work for their families, and that's been really um, helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, are there, uh, what's the masking situation in uh, Southern Peninsula schools these days? So right now, Fireweed Academy is continuing with 100% universal masking, and that action was approved by their APC. And looking, and everybody can look at this on our dashboard anytime they want to as well. Susan B. English is operating with universal masking as well as Tabona. So those are, um, and Tabona is actually across the inlet, not um, in your area as much. So, and River City Academy in Central Peninsula is operating with universal masking through December 17th. And that school has a lot of space limitations, so it's very hard to physically distance. So remember, we have all the different layering things we do in schools to help with any type of exposure if there was a person who was positive in a school. So that's where we're at with our numbers right now. And anybody can look on that public dashboard to see a daily count for the district and can look by each school as well to see if there was new cases and see a seven-day case count and how many people. It says population on that, and that means both staff and students. So that's a combined account of how many people are in that building um, if everybody showed up. Ah, okay, okay. Anything else you'd like to add about the schools? Um, you know, are, are there uh, many people out these days? Is that on the dashboard as well? That's not, the absenteeism rate isn't on our public dashboard, but we have that for an internal analysis. And that's one of the metrics that's used to determine if a school is having a rise in um, positive cases and close contacts. Um, I've talked previously about this, that there's several metrics that go into determining if a school would end up doing universal masking for two weeks and then be reevaluated. And so the absenteeism rate uh, related to uh, COVID is also a piece of that. Ah, okay, sure, sure. Uh, anything you'd like to add then, Peggy? Uh, I know you usually have a Thursday morning meeting after hours or coincidence with hours. I do, and I think with Thanksgiving coming next week, we know that people are still, they're tired, they're stressed. <laughs> We're going into some holidays coming up. So every extra bit of kindness that we can offer to people and saying thank you is goes very far. So please, parents, thank you for everything you're doing, for all the parents and grandparents and guardians that are listening, listening and for all the businesses that have to be nimble when an employee can't come to work or you're short-staffed, thank you for keeping your doors open as best you can. And for all our kids who are showing up at school and continuing to learn, that's awesome. There's a lot of great learning happening. And then for our staff, our full staff, teachers and everybody else who supports learning in our schools, um, just a huge thank you for continuing to show up this year. It's been a tough year like no other. Thank you. All right. Thank you uh, very much for joining us. Uh, Peggy Erkineff with the Kenai Peninsula Borough School District. I uh, want to remind you that uh, we can take your phone calls. We've got the technology. Give us a shout if you have a question. We're at 907-235-7721. Uh, 
let's turn to Dorotha Ferraro with South Peninsula Hospital. Good morning, Dorotha. How are things up there on the hill? Good morning. Well, I'm cold. How's that? Um, this, this morning is pretty cold up here. Um, as far as um, COVID um, statistics and numbers go, um, just as Peggy said, to pretty much trend with that theory, we are also kind of trending downwards in our numbers in the week ending November 16. Um, the week statistics are two new admissions, 700 tests collected, 31 of those positives, which gives a 4% positivity rate. And we did nine of the outpatient monoclonal antibody infusions. So those numbers are um, um, lower than the prior weeks um, and really seems to be the continuation of a two or three week trend, downward trend of numbers. Um, So, Hopefully well, that will continue. Um, just like the, looking at the number of test swabs collected, for example, we did 700, whereas um, you know back in September we were up in the eight nine hundreds, even pushing a thousand. And so that's kind of a reflection of number of close contacts because oftentimes it's your close contacts then that go and get tested. So I'm just happy to see all of the numbers trending down. Oh, you know, I was just I was going to ask that exact thing about uh, numbers of tests and what it means if the uh, the actual number of people coming in requesting tests go down. That's an indicator as well, right? Not as many people uh, running into uh, those who are infected or or feeling as bad, right? Right. Either um, fewer people who have symptoms or fewer people being notified that they are a um, close contact. So um, that's good. Our capacity to test remains the same. We are open seven days a week, nine to six on Bartlett Street for testing. We do have some um, a holiday coming up, Thanksgiving. And so on Thanksgiving, the test site will be closing at 1 p.m. so that the crew can go enjoy Thanksgiving with their family. So Thanksgiving Day, testing will only be 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. But other than that, testing is daily 9 to 6. It's free. Testing is free. You do register to be um, a hospital patient, um, but it is free. And um, results get turned around pretty quickly these days. Yes. Uh, you know, I uh, my brother went in for a, a test on Monday out in Dillingham, and uh, they had the results for him while he waited. That's how quickly they're doing it out there, I guess. Um, you know, that's a good segue to uh, turning to Lauren here. Uh Breakthrough cases. My brother needed to be tested because he got a breakthrough case two weeks earlier. Uh, he'd been vaccinated, fully vaccinated, uh, got the breakthrough case, and um, was uh, was truly miserable for a week. Uh, what kind of trend are we seeing? Uh, I yep, don't have those numbers right in front of me regarding uh, breakthrough cases, but I do know that uh, the number of... Uh, Unvaccinated folks that have been experiencing reinfection continues to increase as well. I'll I'll see if I can grab those numbers as we go along here. I was actually talking to my brother about it. I said, well, you're vaccinated and you've had uh, the corona. Uh, It doesn't mean you're off the hook. You know, you should uh, be careful about reinfection. And uh, and I told him to get a, a booster shot when he felt better. Was that the right advice? Oh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, contacting your doctor is probably the the best uh, piece of advice. Uh, But, yeah, once you start feeling better and if you qualify for a booster, yeah, getting that sooner than later is a great idea to protect you and those around you moving forward. 
and particularly important because moving forward, I think we're, um, you know, we should be preparing and continue to prepare for more unknowns. And what I'm talking about there is the global uh, perspective on COVID activity seems to be a little uncertain. For example, UK, United Kingdom, is on this uh, gentle upward uh, increase in number of cases, while Germany and the Netherlands have increased substantially over the course of the past one month. And now, in contrast, uh, Israel has really um, decreased their number of cases dramatically, and we think that this is probably in part due to um, the fact that Israel, um, from today's perspective, has more folks who have received a booster dose of COVID-19 vaccine than, than any other country. So, so that's great for them. But in regards to how, how are we doing here in Alaska, you know, it's, over the past week, we've had a decrease in 26% of total cases. Uh, but going back a little bit further, we've decreased 36% over the past two weeks. Um, but activities uh, continues to be high or red alert almost in every area of the state. And here on the Kenai Peninsula, we've had about 181 cases or 20 uh, over the past week, and that's about 25, 26 cases per day. So still a lot of activity out there. If public health experts are no longer convinced that we'll reach herd immunity, uh, what more needs to be done to convince reluctant people to get uh, vaccinated against COVID? But what else can the public do or the government or friends and neighbors? What do we do? I was just going to say one thing that is um, convincing is um, time and um, watching others and watching the um, efficacy of the vaccine in general. And those numbers do continue. Yes, there are um, breakthrough cases, but it does um, statistically um, show that vaccines do prevent um, hospitalizations and death. And um, as more people watch um, vaccine safety and watch that others are benefiting from it, um, I think folks naturally then um, gravitate a little more to it. And we see that happening at our vaccine clinic. We still are giving um, anywhere from 50 to 70 vaccines a day, and those are not all boosters. Some of those are first doses. Um, some of those are first doses in the new eligible group of um, pediatric and adolescent um, individuals, but some of them are the folks who have been eligible for um, nearly a year now and have taken their time to learn and watch and are making the decision to get vaccinated. So to answer the question, people are still making that decision and are getting vaccinated. It is is still underway. We did not really, that, that did not end. It's still happening, just a little slower. Hmm. You know, I uh -huh. guess one thing Pardon? that I might, might add is that, you know, knowledge is power. So accessing good info to make the best decisions for you and your family is really key because we still don't know what's going to happen. And I don't think we will for a while in regards to uh, what what should we expect in the next few months. So an example might be in the month of September here in Alaska, uh, unvaccinated folks had an 11.6-fold increased chance of being hospitalized versus vaccinated folks. So what's that mean? 11.6-fold increased chance. That's 11,600% increased chance. Um, so getting vaccinated um, continues to be the number one thing that you can do um, to keep from getting sick and, and spreading the virus, but also to stay out of the hospital. 
And with increased hospitalizations, what we're seeing from today's perspective is ANMC and Alaska Regional ICUs are closed as well as their emergency departments. So not only are they struggling to take care of the folks that are right there in front of them, but our outlying communities up, up and down the Yukon, Kuskokwim, Nome, and other bush areas really don't have a place to transfer clients in need of a higher level of care. Wow, I hadn't uh, heard that about uh, uh, those ICUs and emergency rooms there. Uh, how is uh, SPH now mandating vaccinations for its staff? Is that happening? So CMS, um, Center for Medicare, they did the final rule regarding um, healthcare worker mandate for the COVID vaccine. And that rolled out um, two weeks ago, actually while we were live on the radio, um, that rolled out and we have spent the last week or so um, taking the rule and um, kind of developing our own internal documents and policies um, um, to implement that. So the rule was um, any healthcare provider who accepts Medicare, I'm being very general about this, um, hospitals, nursing homes, et cetera, quite a long list. And there are several entities in Homer who qualify and the Southern Peninsula who qualify on the list. Um, we are required to mandate COVID-19 um, vaccine amongst our staff, travelers, contractors, students, um, volunteers, etc. Anyone that kind of is on the team, the, the delivery team. And it is not just for patient-facing um, positions, it is also for um, anybody even working in offices or even in buildings that patients or clients don't go to, just under the um, perspective that we all at one point interact um, and we're all part of the, the overall um, healthcare system. And so the mandate was that we had to offer, or we we had to mandate the vaccine, but we had to offer a religious exemption and we had to offer a medical exemption. And so we have finalized our religious and medical exemptions and we have posted our mandate policy and um, our team of over 570 now have until December 5 um, to either um, get an exemption approved or get the first or only dose of the single dose or the first of a two dose series by December 5 because the mandate goes into effect on December 6. Oh, okay, how many uh, employees are you talking about again, did you say? In total, on the day that we rolled it out, about 160. We have a caller on the line, Patrick. You're on Hi, the air. Good morning. Uh, I appreciate the information you guys have been given through the pandemic. It's really nice and assuring to have a steady source of straight talk. And I guess my call is regarding the frustration I feel with the lack of straight talk uh, from those in power in particular. You know, Lauren just said that uh, knowledge is power, but some of those in power are giving the wrong knowledge. And I'm speaking of the mayor of Anchorage, the mayor of the borough, and our local house rep that are all encouraging faulty science and false thinking about alternative treatments. And I find it especially frustrating because some of these same people are pledged to fiscal conservatism. And here we have a vaccine that costs the recipient nothing, costs the government about $20, and the alternative seems to be at a rate of about 12 to 1 in terms of likelihood being hospitalized without vaccination. You know, and I think I've heard those costs are upwards of $20,000 on each patient and sometimes much, much more. So I'm frustrated by the lack of correct knowledge from those in power to 
curious if you guys have anything that we can do besides getting ourselves vaccinated and talking to those that uh, will listen. Uh, the only thing I have, and I know this is a little bit um, storybook-like, but, you know, the Iditarod is part of our common heritage, and it was all about running a life-saving serum to Nome. And I don't know if there's any chance for that as a positive PR or, a, hey, look, 100 years ago, we trusted science. Because it's not just this pandemic. I'm worried about the future. What's next? Either a, either a variant of COVID or something we haven't thought of yet. I don't expect everybody to be of one mind. But I do expect people to believe science, especially as science changes and new information comes out. Um, I'm worried about the process. I think that's... Uh, kind of the gist of my question, and I'm sorry, I know it's a tough one, and I know it's sensitive, but there it is. Well, thank you very much for the call, Patrick. Uh, Lauren, uh, what uh, what do you think? What what more can be done to fight this misinformation that people in power appear to be, uh, you know, sharing? Yeah, thanks for the question, Patrick. I guess, uh, you know, the the obvious thing here is is it's incredibly complex. Not only do we have a global pandemic, it's the first thing that's happened like this in 100 years, but, you know, that um, didn't stop other public and individual health threats. Like a opioid overdose is uh, increasing. One out of three Alaskans um, is obese. Um, tuberculosis since the 40s until present is, is a real challenge, especially in Bush, Alaska, and amongst our Alaska Native family and friends. Uh, you know, the, these are all really tough challenges, and it really takes, you know, a group effort to move the needles or improve and protect the health of our neighbors. Um, and that's a real tough job. You know, I think that also what's, what's lying underneath here is that... Uh, is literacy. In regards to literacy itself, we know that half of Americans have deficits within one or more areas of literacy. And literacy is closely tied to health literacy. And that's a bunch of jargon for um, how can we um, search out and find good information and use that, assess that it's good, but also use it for improving our health and the health of others. Um, but I think, uh, Patrick, you got it. Uh, we've got a long ways to go. Um, but what can we do today? I think, uh, you know, a lot of things uh, that we have in common and that we have in terms of equity are the same before the pandemic as during the pandemic. And that is, that all of us Alaskans came up here from somewhere, or we were born here, but we have this place that we have in common. You know, we've been through a lot of stuff in the past, and I think we'll make it through this, um, too, if we uh, stick together. I think those are some of the keys. Jerotha, did you have any thoughts? Well, specifically to treatment, um, I would just like to help listeners know that we do have treatment, and we do have treatment that is proven to be very effective. Um, right now we have monoclonal antibody infusions that are available under emergency use authorization and those um, in state and nationwide numbers really show 70 to 80 percent effectiveness on preventing serious illness if you um, get in and get the treatment early on um, immediately after testing positive. At the moment, those are not available to everyone. Um, it is um, specifically for certain risk groups, but 
um, many people who fall into that. So I would just encourage any, I would just encourage everybody to know we do have treatment, and if you do test positive, to call your provider and see if the uh, monoclonal antibodies are are right for you. Additionally, FDA is reviewing an application for some um, a, um, antiviral um, pills um, that may be um, being approved very soon and available in Alaska shortly. So there might be an even larger um, assortment of treatments in our very near future. Oh yeah, you know, I was going to uh, ask about that. Um, I'm not sure I could say its name, Molnupiravir. Uh, anyway, it's made by Merck, M-O-L-N-U-P-I-R-A-V-I-R. Uh, Lauren, what do you know about uh, these um, antiviral uh, pills. Uh, Britain has uh, just granted approval for them, and uh, as Dorotha said, they're, uh, they're being considered by the United States as well. You know, actually, I don't know much, um, but I do know who knows. Um, happy to take any emails and respond to those as I receive them. Okay. Then Pfizer apparently has a, a drug also called uh, Paxlovid. Uh, anyway, if you could share with us here at the end of the show when and where the vaccination uh, clinics are okay, or times are for people. So I'll start with the new group that was um, just made eligible a few weeks ago, and that is the adolescent and um, pediatric ages 5 to 11. And we are offering um, those appointments on Wednesdays and Saturdays at the um, vaccine and test clinic on Bartlett Street. And I encourage folks to make appointments. So it's Wednesdays and Saturdays. And um, additionally, Homer Medical Center will be doing a pediatric um, clinic on December 1st and December 3rd. So Wednesdays and Saturdays at the Vaccine Test Clinic on Bartlett Street and the first and the third at Homer Medical. That's for the um, children in pediatric. And then the rest, which are the boosters um, and um, the original vaccine, um, first or second dose, those are all available daily at the Test and Vaccine Clinic. Um, and I always encourage appointments. Walk-ins are welcome, um, but um, I always encourage appointments other than we have a unique situation, and that is on the 27th and 28th, Saturday the 27th, Sunday the 28th. We already have a full house both of those days for vaccines because that's the day we're doing second doses for all of the children who got it at the um, mass pod at the high school. So the 27th and 28th, no walk-in for vaccine. But other than that, daily um, at the test and vaccine clinic. The phone number for that is 235 Lauren, do you have any final words for us? Oh, yeah, maybe two. I dug out those, thanks to Mary Darbone, oh, she's you. a public health nurse, too. Uh, she dug out those numbers for breakthrough cases so far in the state of Alaska. Now, these are cases since the beginning of COVID who have been fully vaccinated. And it's been a couple of weeks at least since they've uh, completed the series, but they got infection. And that's the number as we know it today is about 13,265, or about 9% of all cases reported since March of 2020. And, it, and an important piece that goes along with that is these are uh, very hard uh, numbers to discern because how the COVID cases are reported versus in along with how vaccination is reported. So that's a challenge, but those are the numbers that we have today. And I guess lastly, I might um, just say that, you know, we're uh, continuing to head on here into winter and into the holiday season. 
and it's probably fair to say that each person kind of deals with family um, illnesses, long-term illnesses, stress and anxiety a little bit different. Um, so maybe considering taking a break from news or reading, um, taking care of your body, take a little time to unwind and connect with others. And if you're talking with someone um, who has long COVID, um, the CDC really outlined um, three things I think are applicable in a lot of areas of our life. Maybe number one, maybe listen with compassion and then start a conversation to gain some understanding of what might be going on for them. And then maybe look to determine how you might be able to help with what they need. Thanks, Jay. All righty. Uh, we have a, a caller on the uh, line. Candy, hello. Good morning. Um, I have a question, and I'm not sure who can answer it, but I just read on um, social media from one of our representatives on the Kenai that OSHA suspended enforcement of the COVID mandate while under litigation. And it's under the hashtag of medical freedom. And I'm wondering what that means about having the mandate that DeRosa was talking about going forward. Thank you. All right. Thank you. DeRosa, do you know anything about these things? Well, I think we have uh, lost DeRosa. We've been having uh, uh, technical problems this week. I guess that's what happens when we take a week off. I get a little rusty. Um, I want to thank DeRosa Ferraro and uh, Peggy Er and the uh, last man standing Thanks, Lauren, for uh, sticking with us, and uh, thanks for uh, all the uh, listeners. This has been the COVID Brief. I'm Jay Barrett. Thanks for joining us. I'm going to send you back to the studio and uh, maybe some wonderful music.